everyone. Welcome to another edition of Break the Ice. Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com. Pleased to be joined by Todd Nelson, head coach of the Hershey Bears. Um, and Todd, let's let's jump right into this. Um, let's talk about your uh, your career to date. I feel like l- last year at this time we, we sat down with Scott Allen as he was getting ready to embark upon what turned out to be his only uh, season as coach of, of the Hershey Bears. And I think the first thing, one of the first things I asked him was, um, if he'd ever drawn a paycheck outside of the game of hockey, and I look at your background, your resume, and I'm, I'm thinking that if you've ever drawn a paycheck outside of this game, it's probably working in fast food or delivering papers or something when, when you're a teenager. Yeah, exactly. You know what? Uh, I was really fortunate. I got into coaching right after I finished playing. Um, I finished playing in 2002, and that year I was playing in the United League. I was player assistant coach. And the head coach at the time was Danton Cole. And then the wind up winning the championship that year. Uh, so after that, I planned on retiring, but I did not know what, what I was going to do. And it's funny how things happen. Bruce Cassidy, who's coaching Grand Rapids, gets hired by the Washington Capitals, which leaves a vacancy. And then Danton Cole got the call, and he brought me with him uh, to be an assistant coach. So that's how it started. And from there, I've been very fortunate to um, be in the game, being a coach for the last – 20 plus years and, and a great resume of, of a ton of broad-based experience a lot of championships as a player uh, and as a coach some finals appearances um, and and as a guy who's been in one place and with one organization for a couple of decades I'm always fascinated by by people who have the experience of being able to work in a few different places and get get a taste of different cultures and, and just different ways of operating and I mean there's there's a number of different ways to succeed and not succeed in this game and I, I think that I find that, that the people who've been with a number of different organizations often have some some good insight as to the the best ways of of getting things done but let's let's start with your your junior career because um, you you played at Prince Albert and and I mean, you played with your brother, Jeff, yep. at one point there, too, and he's a few years younger, and he was drafted here in Washington. But Mike Madonna was there, Reed Simpson was there, and Rich Pilon, too. And Rich is obviously Garrett Pilon's dad. Garrett will be playing potentially for you at Hershey this year. Over the course of 20 years now as a coach, have you ever wound up coaching any other players that you played with along the line? You know, like sons their of sons. players, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of getting to that point now. Um, obviously, years ago, uh, that wasn't possible. But uh, um, but now I'm kind of getting to see that point where um, you played with a player and all of a sudden they have a, a son come up and all of a sudden he's in the organization. So this is going to be pretty unique for me. I think this is the first time, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. And that's if, you know, right. Garrett comes down. Obviously, sure. he wants to make the caps. So... Um, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, just looking at camp out here, I'm really impressed with the parity of the players here. Like they're, they're all looking really good and, you know, Garrett's one of them. So, um, yeah, this is a pretty unique experience for me coaching somebody that, uh, where I played with their father. And, and that, that Prince Albert team, you were coached by some, some guys, Terry Simpson had, had, NHL career, Rick Wilson as well, and Peter Anholt's a guy who's still involved in the Western League as a general manager. Um, I guess years down the road, do you still hear echoes of things that those guys said to you at, at now that you're in the coaching realm? And side question to that is, which coaches do you find did have the biggest influence on you, maybe even that you didn't realize uh, at well, the time? You know, like I had the pleasure of working with a lot of good coaches, and uh, you talk about junior hockey. I, I had three different coaches during that span, and uh, I think you take a little bit from every coach. You know, something that sticks in your mind where they teach you something that clicked. And, uh, you know, I also coach, also was coached by Barry Trotz in yeah. Portland. And to answer your second question, um, he's probably the biggest in- influence on me. I just thought at the time he was a bit ahead of his game, or ahead of the game. And also, like when when you have success with someone like that, uh, it resonates really well with you. So he's kind of been the um, the influence on me through my coaching career. I liked how he handled things. Um, but yeah, Barry's probably the guy. Obviously, Danton Cole got me my start. Uh, getting getting into coaching is not very easy. 
Uh, there's so many ex-players that want to get into it. And uh, for me to get my foot in the door at Danton, um, it really helped me out. So like with going back to the first question, um, I think you take bits and pieces from, you know, every coach that you've had, if you, you know, liked them or didn't agree with them at some point, you always take some points from everybody. Um, and, and you had a really good career, I thought, at, at Prince Albert and, and even into your, your pro career. Offensive defenseman, drafted by the Pittsburgh Penguins. It just seemed like certainly in Pittsburgh and then w- when you signed with Washington as well, you were in organizations that were pretty stacked and were pretty strong and especially at, at that position. I mean, what was that like trying to fight through – Pittsburgh wins a couple of cups there. I think probably your first two years pro or pretty close to that, and you come into the Washington organization. That was a time when when I was getting started here that that, that defense was so thick that they had Kenny Klee and uh, Jimmy Johnson, who were defensemen playing on the fourth line just to get them in the lineup a lot of t- a lot of nights. Yeah, you know what? Uh, when I got drafted by Pittsburgh, like you said, that's when they were turning the corner and they're Stanley Cup con- contenders. And I got to be honest, when I walked into, into training camp the very first day, I was kind of, well, I was in, I was in a lot of awe. Um, you know, there's a lot of Hall of Famers on those hockey teams. And, you know, when you walk in and you see Mario, then you see Paul Coffey, and then it doesn't stop. Larry Murphy, you know, you know Rick Tockett, you got Brian Trotche, you got the Samuelsons. Um, you got Tommy Barrasso in that. Like it's, you kind of get starstruck a bit. And, you know, being from Prince Albert, it's a, it's a smaller town. Um, going to Pittsburgh, the big city, it was a bit overwhelming for me, to be quite honest. But then, you know, I, as you get older and mature, it's not that bad. And um, when I came to Washington, or signed with Washington, um, we had a very good club down in Portland. Yeah. And uh, Washington was knocking on the door as well. They had a lot of depth. Um but I was fortunate. I played one NHL game with Pittsburgh. I called up in my second year. And then when I came to, uh, to Portland, was, we're playing and we're getting ready for a Calder Cup run. And all of a sudden I get called up the last two games of the year and uh, end up playing four Stanley Cup playoff games. I, I think I might be the only guy in NHL history that's played more playoff games than regular season games. I was going to say that. It's, uh, it's kind of weird how it worked out. But then that year... Um, I got sent back down to Portland uh, in the second round when they were playing against the Rangers. Then that's the year that we ended up winning the cup. So um, <clears throat> it's funny how your life, like which path you take in your life. And uh, I have no regrets. Like, you know, my, my time with Washington's organization was excellent. And you mentioned that you get called up for those, those last two games. And I think if I remember, right, it was Kevin Hatcher. Somebody came up lame. I feel like after morning skate and you get, inserted into the lineup that night and and wind up scoring your your only NHL goal. Tell us about that experience. Well, that's a story in itself, to be quite honest, because we finished playing our 80 games uh, regular season, and and then the next night we had a team party (laughs) because we didn't uh, play till the following Friday. We had a week off, so we went out and blew off some steam, and then all of a sudden the next morning we had the day off. And back then we didn't have cell phones, my phone was ringing off the hook from 9.30 till about 11, and I just thought it was my fiance trying to get a hold of me because we planned on going golfing at 11.30. I finally picked up the phone about 11 o'clock, and it's assistant coach Paul Gardner, and he says, Nellie, you have to get to the airport. You're getting called up. You're playing in Washington tonight. And I was shocked because I go, I said, you saw me last night. I <laughs> said, so we're out partying, having a good time. And he starts laughing. He goes, yeah, I know. That's great. He goes, just get, get your butt on the plane. And then... There were some issues at Logan. We flew when I flew from Portland to Logan. We had de- got uh, delayed. I ended up walking into the dressing room in Washington, um, right when Jimmy Chantel was doing his meeting, and so everything happened so quick. I didn't really have any time to think. Went out there. I just I just said to myself, keep the game simple, which I did. And we're up, th- I think three to one, and they threw me in the second power play unit. And Steve Connawalchuk found me on the backside, and I shot the puck. I, f- I forget who was coming out of me, but it was a big defenseman. I just wanted to get by his shin pad, and all of a sudden hit the post and went in. And uh, nobody was more shocked than, than myself. And then <laughs> as the game wore on, uh, Winnipeg fought back, and they made it 4-3. to three, So I ended up getting the game winner and second star. <laughs> and uh, it was just a whirlwind. And then after that, uh, they just kept me up um, for the next couple of weeks. 
That's a pretty sweet experience, a great yeah. story for sure. And then, you, like you said, you win the Calder Cup, and I think that's – well, actually, I think you won You won a championship before that in the, in the – uh, was it with Muskegon? No, it was um – it was after that. Okay. okay. Actually, that that Muskegon US, U, UHL rather that that was um, the year that you were uh, player player assistant. Yeah, that was later on in my career. Gotcha. My first couple of years in Muskegon was farm team for Pittsburgh. We made it to the finals right. uh, against That's Kansas City. Yeah, and Blades just, won it. Yeah, it just so happens they called up our whole first line, which didn't help. Um, and uh, anyways, lost in the finals it was a great experience. And then uh, to win that first one, it's always really special when we won it in Portland. You know, and just hearing about your experiences, you know, trying to make the climb to the NHL in those days. These days, teams have development coaches. They have development systems. They have staffs. And in those days, that wasn't the case. Do you feel like you would have benefited from something like that back then? Mentioning, as you did, you know, growing up in a small town and, I feel like a lot of times guys reach the pros and they don't have a a great, especially back then, didn't necessarily have a great handle on how to handle free time, how to deal with, um, you know, just a abrupt and, and significant change in your, in your life on and off the ice. I would have really benefited from it. Um, you know, when you're working out going to NHL training camp, you don't realize how hard you have to work. Um, guys now have personal trainers in the summertime. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, back then the salaries weren't quite as high, so, uh, you kind of save your money a bit. So we really couldn't afford it. But also with that being said, the knowledge to train properly wasn't there. You know, like they'd hand you a workout book that's this thick. Um, you know, but now it seems like every athlete has a workout, uh, specific to them. Right. And what I found out, guys that come out of junior like myself, compared to guys that come out of college, the college guys are developed because they they work out all week. They practice and all stuff and they play in the weekends. In junior, you're playing more or less a a pro schedule, especially in the Western League with the tough uh, travel. travel. So you don't really get to train your bodies. And and like we didn't really have the knowledge. Uh, You just kind of thrown into the fire. And I'm not. I'm not making excuses, but that's something yeah. that I learned over my career, and I was in the best shape of my life when I was 30 years old. And so um, it's just the sign of the times, and, you know, you just have to try to get your foot in the door, but um, I would have definitely benefited from it. Yeah, I think it's great that, that the league or teams recognize the value in, in something like that. There's definitely a bridge from being an amateur to, to being a pro, even if you never reach the NHL, that... Um, it, it's good. Probably 15, 20 years ago, teams started to recognize that. And, yeah. Um, like I said, you, you got. I think three. We have three or four guys who, who whose job here is is to do kind of exactly that. Um, and and even when you got to Muskegon, I I, I grew up in Chicago, so um, you played for Phil Russell there yep. too. Um, so another guy who who you know good offensive defenseman. Um, but what was it about Barry? Because we, obviously we, we we have pretty fond feelings for, for Barry here, Barry Trotz. Um, what was it about him that made him such a good coach? Because um, we hear it from pretty much everyone who's ever played for him. And, you know, like you, he's he's kind of been continuously employed. He's a hockey lifer. I don't think – I think the last time he, he drew a paycheck outside of the game, he was playing junior hockey and – pounding railroad ties down um, outside of uh, his hometown in Manitoba there. Well, yeah, you know what? Before I get to Barry, like, you know, also Phil had a pretty big influence on me. He was my first pro coach, and, um, you know, he was a defenseman. He taught me quite a bit uh, from the individual standpoint of how to play the position. Uh, when I went to – with when I got to Portland and working with Barry, one thing I just noticed is that he was fair. He held you accountable, and he built up a lot of trust – in you and uh it was a, it's a two-way street but that was the biggest thing is how he handled situations um you know he got his dandruff up once in a while but very seldom uh but just the way he communicated to the players um you know like he, it was a it was a partnership even though he was the head coach he was the boss 
He just got his point across in a way that made you feel good about yourself. And so with that being said, you're playing with a lot of confidence out there. And there's always ups and downs over, over the course of a season. But, um, you know, that that was the part of coaching that I really focused on with Barry because uh, I like to break it down, coaching into art and science. Science is like the X's and O's. Um, the art is how, how do we get these players to buy in? Mm-hmm. How do we get this individual to go through the wall for you? And that's what he had. And uh, he was very good systematically. Um, he was on the cutting edge. Um I think that's maybe the first time we really dissected some video on that, but mm-hmm. but he had a good pulse in the room. You know when to get out, when to get after us, uh, when to give us a hug if we needed it, and I just thought he handled the team really well. And um, we all played hard for him. And to this day, um, guys from those teams that played for Barry, they speak very highly of him. Yeah, and a lot of them, fair amount of them went into coaching as well. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you played, I think, in uh, Cleveland IHL um, uh, a year in Hershey, a little bit in Grand Rapids, um, and and over this period of time, there the, the league's expanding a little bit, um, and I think it was ninety eight, ninety nine. You went over and played in in Berlin, and and then the beginning of the next season in Helsinki. I feel like, and obviously at that time, you 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 weren't planning on a post playing coaching career but I feel like especially the the way the game is now having that experience of playing being a stranger in a foreign land and and playing hockey there um, really serves you well how do you feel like that year in in Germany and that little snippet in in Finland the next year uh, helped you once you did go into coaching well it could help me quite a bit because now we're like we're dealing with all different nationalities right and we're dealing with a lot of European players and you know, uh, for example, um, I was working with Miro Haskinen from mm-hmm. Dallas, right? He's from Finland. And uh, I looked up his stats, and he played for IFK, and that's who I played for. So right away, like, when I first met him, I said, well, I played in Helsinki as well with IFK. So so there was, there was some common ground there, and that's what I try to find as a coach so he can develop some kind of relationship, right? Uh, but it definitely helped. Uh, I understand that when you're explaining things, uh, sometimes – Sometimes there is a language barrier, and so my philosophy is trying to keep the systems as simple as I can. Um, and when I explain them, I have to make sure I hit, hit everybody about three or four times so they understand. Um, but it definitely did help me out um, seeing the European style. You know, it's, it's a bit different than North America. Germany is pretty close to North American hockey, but yeah. uh, Finland was a bit different. Um, and, like, yeah, you know, you get connected with other people from all, all walks of life with that too, right? And so it, it definitely helped me out. It opened up my eyes. Uh, here's a small town guy from PA. All of a sudden he's in Helsinki. Like It was uh, a great experience for me. I love playing over in Europe. Uh, who knows what my coaching career, like where it goes from here because uh, there's guys that go over there and love it when they're coaching, but uh, that's not my game plan right now. Um, I'm just like the players I'll be coaching. Like I want to get back to the National Hockey League. Um. Was it like playing with your brother at the pro level too? And I was he on that Calder Cup team? In, yes, in, yes, he I was. So, yeah, yeah. No, like we played uh, two seasons together in Prince Albert, and then um, in pro it was it was two seasons in Grand Rapids or two seasons in Portland, one in Grand Rapids, and then as we went along and I got into coaching, <laughs> he called me up one time and he goes, "Hey, are you looking for a centerman?" And I thought he was joking, <laughs> right? And he played for me for a couple of years in Muskegon. So, um, and he kept on playing years after that. But, uh, you know, like, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, like, we're competitive. You know, I think in junior, I, you know, my, my brother put up a lot of points. And, but at the start of the year, there was a point where I had five or six points and he had three. So I was bragging <laughs> the whole time in the family that I had more points than my brother, but it only took him a couple of games to surpass me. But, uh, no, it was a lot of fun. My, my brother and I are very close. Um, and uh, that really helped bond us. Um, you know the years we played together, and then also we played against each other. You know, so that yeah. that was a bit of a different experience. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure working with them. I think my brother's a really good pro, um, and uh, a solid person. And you mentioned that that old one oh two season is when you you were um, in the UHL in Muskegon playing for Danton Cole. You guys won the championship that year, and you you, you got. I guess 
spent some time with Grand Rapids, and they were that was Bruce Cassidy's last season as their coach uh, that year. When did that light go on? Um, that where you started to think, you know, this is something that I like doing, and that I could see myself doing, you know, once once I finally do hang up the skates. Well, I, th- I think three quarters, you know, three quarters through my playing career, I had many different coaches, and I just thought that um, I had a few coaches that, um, you know, were very demanding and, and lean hard, and sometimes uh, I thought were um, a bit too too demanding. And I saw the emotional impact it had on players. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, there has to be a better way of getting your point across without, you know, hurting somebody. And uh, because confidence is a big thing. And when players play with no confidence, their game really struggles. And it was always in the back of my mind. But I I didn't think it was going to become a reality. Um, The reason why I went to Muskegon, I was living in Grand Rapids. I was going to retire that year after Rochester. Uh, then Danton called me, and uh, he goes, "Do you want to, f- you know, play for me this year?" He goes, "I'll give you a player assistant coach to get your." It sounds like something small, like when you see it on Hockey DB, but uh, you can add that to your resume, and that really kind of helped me get my foot in the door. And uh, halfway during that season, he said, "Have you ever considered getting into coaching?" And I said, "Well, I thought about it, but you know, how do I get there?" And he goes, "Well, I think that you'd be a really good coach." And so it just so happens that. You know, Dan and I were teammates in Grand Rapids before, so we had a connection. And um, when he asked me to be assistant coach um, in 2003, I jumped at the opportunity. And then where it went from there, Muskegon, um, I think their head coach was moving on, and so they're looking for a head coach. They So they approached me at Christmas time, the management from Muskegon, and they said, do you feel ready that you can be a head coach? And I said, no, not right now. And so then they asked me again at the end of the year. I said yes. And so, and I was just being honest with with them and with myself. I didn't want to dive into something that um, I didn't feel comfortable with. It wouldn't help me out. It wouldn't help the organization out. And um, I got better as the year went on, and we were very fortunate to win, win back-to-back championships there and kind of put my name on the map. I mean, in those are your first two years as a head coach. You win a cup. I mean, can't doesn't get any better than that. And- no, and uh, the first year, we went undefeated in the uh, playoffs. Wow. We swept everybody. So at 12 and 0. 16, no, it was uh, 11 and 0 because 11, the first series was three, yeah, best of best five. five. That's yeah. still that's still pretty impressive. And, and I mean, you know, looking over the course of your career as a head coach full season, not not once under 500. I mean, that's over over a couple of decades, that's that's a pretty pretty good feather to have. Yeah, in like I'll cap. knock on wood on that one because <laughs> just high expectations in Hershey yeah. this year. Yeah, um, but I've been very fortunate uh, throughout my whole career, even when I was younger. That obviously, like when you're playing minor hockey, everybody kind of makes the playoffs, right? But I think there's only five times in forty plus years where I haven't made the playoffs, and that's you know that's the norm for me. Um, and obviously, when you when you win championships. It's so true. When you win your first one, you want to get the second one. It's uh, there's a hunger in you to win again because it's such a great feeling, and knowing that you're a champion, you're a champion for life, right? And nobody can take that away from you. Uh, you know, so it's it's one of those things where I I worked with um, good hockey players that put me in that position. I I played with great hockey players that on good hockey teams that put 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 me in the playoffs, which is great. And having that experience in the playoffs is really valuable, and that's that's my job this year to make sure we get in the playoffs in Hershey and uh, give these uh, prospects um, that experience. Because I firmly believe uh, if you do well in the playoffs, that experience they have, if they get called up or they end up going to the National Hockey League, they're going to take that experience with them and help the parent team hopefully win a Stanley Cup. So I think it's valuable. And like you say, you're, you're champions for life, and, and Muskegon's had a number of teams in a number of different leagues uh, over the years, and the United Hockey League is, is no more. But what, what was that, that league like? Because I feel like the ECHL had, had come along by that time, and the IHL, if it was still around, was kind of in its death throes uh, at that time. And, and do, do you still keep in touch with any of those guys? Are there reunions uh, as as there typically are at at higher levels for 
for those championship seasons years down the road. I mean, Portland just had one uh, a few years back. Yeah, and and we all went there, and it was great to see everybody. You know, a lot of guys that I haven't seen for a lot of years were there. Um, you know, Barry was there as well. Yeah, it was a fantastic time. It was 2014, and um, the city. Like you tend to forget how much our team was loved by that city uh, because they really ro- rolled out the red carpet for us and uh, the people of Portland were, were so supportive. And, um, you know, we had some characters on our team too. We had, you know, Killer Kaminsky's on our team. He played here in Washington. Yeah. Kerry Clark and, you know, just guys like that that, that play that style of hockey. And, you know, but it was good. It was really good to see everybody. And, um, you know, when you talk about Muskegon, um, or like in Grand Rapids for that matter, uh, West Michigan, I've been around West Michigan quite a bit. Yeah. You know, playing in Muskegon, coaching in Muskegon, uh, playing in Grand Rapids and coaching in Grand Rapids. So um, I got a lot of friends there. And, you know, after my third year when I was coaching in Grand Rapids, um, Jimmy Montgomery came calling from Dallas, and I was ready for, for something different. Uh, but now... Um, I'm really fortunate to be, you know, working with the Washington Capitals and the Hershey Bears, and um, I'm looking forward to being a head coach again. Uh, I know what you're saying about Michigan and hockey. I was born in Lansing and caught the bug there as a as yeah. a little shaver. But um, uh, there's there's been a lot of good good pro hockey in that state uh, over the years. Um, like you say, you, you've had. AHL head coaching experience at a number of different stops. Um, you had a, a half a season behind the bench of the Edmonton Oilers at a tough time in that franchise's uh, existence in the last four seasons under uh, first Jim Montgomery and then Rick Bonus in, in Dallas. But just from the collective of all that experience, what have you learned about um, the process of building culture when you're taking over a, a team? Because from from my perspective, that's one of the most important things that that Barry did here when he started here in 2014. This this organization was in desperate need of a culture change at that point, and Barry installed that and that, that culture change that that lasted the four years that he was here was strong enough that it's 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 kind of carried through. And I think one of the one of the things that's that illustrates that is the number of players. Over those eight years that have been traded here or signed here on a short deal, that ended up signing subsequent deals to stay here once they got here, played here, experienced the culture here, and decided it was something that they they wanted to stay with. Well, I think everybody talks about culture, you know, but there's there's different types of culture, right? You have to have a healthy culture. Yeah, you know, and uh, that was one of the things I focused on when I had that brief stint in Edmonton. Um, it was a tough time, you know, like uh, Dallas Eakins is coaching and, uh, you know, it was just a tough time for the organization and him and, you know, and so any time that you bring in a new coach, uh, maybe it's a different voice, uh, our, you know, our, our styles are a bit different and um, we still, you know, the hockey team still wasn't uh, great, you know, I think I had a 17, 22 and 3 record or something like that. But uh, one thing I wanted to see is have them be closer because when I was there, it was, it was kind of fragmented. You'd see two guys eating over here. You had three guys eating over here. And uh, it got to a point where, um, you know, after a couple months, you see 12 guys eating together and that. And that's a process. And, um, you know, I, I try to come in every day with the most positive attitude. You know, it's cold up in Edmonton. You come in when it's dark. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, so you, you you try to give them some kind of uh, hope for the future, and uh, you know we made a few trades which helped. Uh, we, you know, we got a player in that helped uh, Yakupov. He was having a tough time. He's a young player, so a few tweaks here and there, and the culture got better. And um, but I could see, you know, if you bring in a guy like Barry, and I consider myself a culture guy as well. Um, but like you can feel it. Like when I came into training camp here, like. Um, you can feel it. Like, you know, I was, I was really well accepted. Uh, everybody's been great here. Um, 
you know, it makes it fun to come come to work every day. And that's what I try to do with my hockey teams. I want the players to wake up in the morning, want to go to the rink, and try to make themselves better and have some fun doing it. Um, because I've been on teams where it's like a dark cloud. Even on a sunny day, it's a, there's a dark cloud over that rink. And you don't want to go in, and, you know, it has a negative impact on your life. And, you know, I, I think culture is everything right now. Um, system work. There are teams that play different styles, but there's no secrets out there with video and stuff. So right. you have to you have to get get the team to where they're, like they're a family, and it starts with it starts with the head coach. He has to try to get that team together. And you earned that that promotion to Edmonton. You have four and a half really good seasons at at OKC, Oklahoma City, there um, in the AHL. And you know, even though that's not a traditional hockey hotbed that that they've got a history in the central league that goes back a fair amount but what was i mean there i think it was was 2012 13 season that team was was pretty loaded because of the lockout i think you had you had taylor hall you had justin schultz um ryan nugent hopkins down there too i feel like that team got off to a pretty amazing start and then all of a sudden this the nhl gets gets rolling and i mean big chunk of your team goes north yeah it was uh it was a different year for sure um, you know, having those having those guys and working with them was great. Uh, you know, but like other teams had their first rounders and all sent down. Like you know, Houston had had Zucker and Charlie Coyle, and so it, it was a really strong league. And it was kind of funny how it worked out because I always kind of knew how the labor talks were going because if they were really far apart and they couldn't get close to an agreement, those guys played really hard and played well. <laughs> and then and then if they were off and they're kind of taking shortcuts and that, and I look at the labor talks, yeah, they're getting closer because they don't want to get hurt and they want to go to Edmonton. Mm. So it was uh, it was a great experience for me. But that year it, it seemed like I had uh, three different teams. We had that team, and then when, once the lockout ended, there was a transitionary team. You know, we had a call of guys from the East Coast, and then we made some signings. We signed Jonathan Chichu, Randy Jones. And so and actually that team uh, – was really close because um, when we made those acquisitions, everybody knew that that's where they were going to be. So the hardest thing for me when Nuge and those guys and Taylor Hall are down, um, the guys that were slotted to play in OKC maybe got bumped down a bit. Some guys had to go to the ECHL. I had an all-star the year before that went down to the ECHL. So it was you really had to manage your team during that time. But uh, it ended up working out well. We That year we lost uh, Grand Rapids and uh, – in uh, Game Seven, and they ended up winning the Calder Cup. That was 2013. And you wind up winning a Calder Cup as as the coach in Grand Rapids as well, and in doing so, becoming uh, one of only three guys in in history to win as a head coach, assistant coach, and a player. And and the other two guys who are on that list with you both have Hershey connections, Mike yeah. Stothers and and Bob Woods. So I mean, that's that's a that's a really good club to be in um and it's, it's kind of cool too that you, brian helmer is ostensibly your boss now and you had him at okc uh, as well as a, as a player yeah. uh, i'm sorry no no yeah, yeah it was great bringing brian in he came in halfway through our first season i believe and then uh, uh the next year we signed him for the full season he ended up being our captain and uh i knew brian from his playing days in grand rapids and uh, obviously, he's a great person. And uh, it's funny how things work. Now he's GM of Hershey. And uh, obviously, when I called him up and I said, if anything happens in the American Hockey League, let me know because I don't know what's going on with my coaching career right now. And he called me up the next morning. He goes, are you serious? I said, yes. And so it just ended up working out where Scotty Allen got promoted and there was a vacancy and things worked out. So I couldn't be happier. Well, let's let's move to that that part. But one more stop, um, because during that time with Dallas, you, you had the unique opportunity to coach in the Stanley Cup Final as well, albeit in a in a bit of a different situation with the, the whole bubble experience. But I'm guessing that didn't take any of the sheen off off the experience. The Cup Final is is the Cup Final. What was it like to 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 reach that that level? Oh, like it was awesome because everybody predicted that we were going to lose to Calgary in the first round. And it was a really tough series. And um, we beat them in six games. And then we went up against the juggernaut, Colorado. Um, obviously, they, they finally won the, the Stanley yeah. Cup. And everybody was picking them that year as well. 
and um, it worked out. We we're kind of lucky. We kind of got a couple of breaks where, you know, like both their goalies went down, and so we took advantage of that. But like there were some high scoring games because Colorado was so explosive. I think, I think the four games that we won, we scored five or more goals, which is uncharacteristic of the Dallas Stars. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great ride. Like you know, like we just. It was a weird situation, playing in a bubble, no fans. I, I know the NHL tried to pipe fan uh, fan noise in and the music, which you know they did a pretty good job with that. Um, but it was it was a different time, and uh, it was really it was really hard on everybody mentally. And uh, I think Bones did a good job of incorporating our families into it, where we had meetings night before the game at eight o'clock, and we'd have some videos from families that you know our wives or girlfriends or parents or whatever just so you could see and he showed about four or five videos just you know having them saying how much they support us and everything and so he kept it really good um he kept it really good with that kept it light and then as we moved on we're running out of family members so now uh celebrities from around dallas um you know like uh jordan spieth uh troy aikman like they're all doing videos and the, the the disappointing thing is that we could not see the excitement in dallas yeah that was the biggest thing you know, you were, we were hearing about it, and anytime you go on a playoff run, everybody's excited. Um, like, there's a, a definite pulse in the city. and uh, <clears throat> But it was an awesome experience. And then when we beat Colorado in double overtime, you know, how many times do you see a rookie come in the lineup and score a hat trick in the game winner? Um, you know, nobody expected us to get past Colorado. And then uh, we ran into Vegas. And uh, everybody knew everybody knew that Vegas was a tough team to play against, and I don't know what you know. We, we scored a couple goals in overtime games, and we beat, ended up beating them four games to one. And uh, also now, <laughs> reality sets in. You're in the Stanley Cup final against Tampa Bay, and um, you know it was a good series, but our guys were starting to get banged up. Both teams are pretty banged up. You know how playoffs go, and yeah. you know when you win a championship, you know your team stays relatively healthy, and um, that's just where the stars aligned and but it was uh, a great experience even though it was in the bubble um you know you're getting text messages all the time from people reaching out and they're cheering for you it was just a great experience it was a fun uh fun run to watch from afar too yeah i think a lot of people were were pulling hard for for the stars they're a fun team to watch i think still a lot of really good young players on that team so you take over um the reins in hershey this summer and i'm guessing it's a little later than any of your your previous coaching gigs mid-august or so how different does this feel kind of having to hit the ground running and and trying to get acquainted with you know your your new guys and when you look at it like we've we've alluded to a few times over the, the the course of the conversation here should be a pretty good team down there this year and they had difficulty scoring goals last season but there's 24 forwards. I don't think in all my time I've been here, I've seen there's 24 forwards on this camp roster who played in the NHL last season. That's that's kind of crazy. There's just no room for them all, and there's going to be some some difficult decisions for management upstairs to make, and, and a lot of guys uh, that need waivers to 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 get sent down. So we're at a position where you don't really know what you're going to have in the, in the cupboard this year, but sh- should be a pretty good group. Yeah. You know what? I've been, you know, just like for today, you know, when I look at the, the practice plan, you know, basically the Washington Capitals practice first and um, there's two other groups and I'm looking at the names. I'm going, you know, where are all these guys going to fit in? And um, everybody's been putting, putting on a great show too here. Um, you know, I think the players realize, you know, it's it's going to be tough to <laughs> crack Washington to begin with, but also Hershey. Um, you know, like when I look at the guys that that we think might end up in Hershey, we should have a pretty decent team. Actually, you can probably talk to General Steve Richmond. He's uh, been bugging me for the last week, asking about the parade route and what size ring he wants to wear and stuff. So uh, there's definite pressure <laughs> to uh, – have a solid season, but you know, I guess last year was a tough year with COVID and injuries, and uh, there was a lot of movement and those things happened. And when I was talking with Hershey, uh, obviously I did some background and um, talked to my old GM Ryan Martin. I was going to have him place a call into Washington to help me 
um, get the job in Hershey. And he goes, I don't know if I want to make that call because he goes, they're going to be get a good hockey team, and I don't think I want want our team be um, want our coaches coaching against him. You know, he's just give me a comp, uh, a very good compliment. But uh, from what I'm seeing, I I'm still getting to know the players, um, but it looks like a great mix of young prospects um, with veteran guys that have been around. Um, looks like there's a lot of skill. It looks like there's good character. Uh, there's toughness. Uh, goaltending looks strong. So it's a pretty balanced lineup from what we're seeing. And I'll knock on wood again because I don't want to jinx myself, but uh, we should be very com- very uh, competitive. You know, we talk a lot about what's – you mentioned COVID last year. Um, it's, you know, it's obviously been – a factor in the last three seasons to, to one extent or another. And I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the players who are getting drafted and turning pro, but there's been a significant loss for, for the guys who are pro too, because without, I mean, you know this better than pretty much anybody, that what a championship run or a playoff run, a decent playoff run can can do to a, a player's development and and. That wasn't possible until, you know, last season there was Calder Cup playoffs, but not the, the two seasons before that. And so not only are those guys having their season shortened, they're not getting the opportunity to shine on, on you know, when the stage on the stage when it matters the most. And, you know, upstairs guys are having to make decisions without seeing players in, the, in that environment as well. Yeah, it, it was a tough situation, I'm sure. You know, you talk about – somebody wants to start the pro career out and all of a sudden the season's shortened to like 20 games or whatever it is um their development you know you know like, like it suffers let's face it you know if you get a a college player that turns pro well they're used to playing 40 some games and not going through the 70 plus games or 76 or whatever they play now because yeah. um, my experience when you see have college players come in, I always look at February because I've seen it many times where college player is not used to the schedule and they start getting fatigued, right? Not because they're out of shape or anything, just mentally. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that's that, that's a form of development, you know, because the National Hockey Hockey League, you're playing almost every other day. You have, you have tough travel, you know. Like I used to think, oh, they're, they're chartering everywhere, but people don't realize how tough the travel is. And uh, so that really stunted the growth of a lot of players. Um, but hopefully we're, we're past that now. We should be. Um, and the players that are that are playing now, they can at least get full seasons in and develop, develop their skills and their mental skills moving forward. So you, you've got uh, rookie camp was last week, training camp going on now for, for a few days. And... Um, Preseason game Sunday, got another one tomorrow, three three games on the road here, and you'll be starting camp in Hershey in less than a week on, on Monday morning. What sort of things are you looking at while while um, while you're trying to, you know, assimilate all this all the skill levels and, and everything that, that you would potentially have in the cupboard? Um, I, w- I was watching the, the Flyers' first preseason game the other night, and John Tortorella's watching from upstairs because he – wants to get a, a kind of a bird's eye view. He's in a similar situation taking over a team that, you know, he's not as familiar with um, as he would like to be. Yeah, you know what? Like, start a training camp, it seems like everybody's, you know, pretty much the same. As training camp moves on, the exhibition games and that, you can see, you can see players um, starting to separate themselves. The NHLers will take it up another notch, and then another notch before the season starts, and they just keep on elevating. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I'm just trying to get to know the players. It's nice uh, the last couple of days, you know, uh, to work with them. I can picture their face to their name now. So I see these guys in the hotel, and I don't quite know what <laughs> who they are. Um, you know, going to a fresh organization, I'm just getting acclimated to everybody. Yeah. And uh, that's my biggest thing. And, and, you know, when I go to Hershey and we start training camp there, I'm just going to let the guys know that I'm, I'm an open book, Okay. I'm not gonna uh, like I talked to Scotty. Scotty goes, if you ask me something about a player, um, I'll give my opinion. But he goes, I want you to be an open book as well, because you might see something in them that I didn't, or vice versa, right? And so, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting for me. But like it's like I said, it's gonna be an open book, and we're just gonna see uh, 
how these players adapt to a new coach. They've had, I guess, three different coaches now yeah. in the last three years, right? Yep. So that's tough on a player too. So like they're 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 feeling me out too. Believe me, and that's why it's nice having a guy like um, Patrick Weller that's been around. I can you know talk to him about certain players and you know how are they in the past in the situation because like uh, the other assistant Nick Bootland's new as well. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've I've a pretty new staff and, I, and I'm getting to know them. So everything's, um, it's been great. Uh, all I know is that there's a lot of good people, a lot of good people, and that's the most important thing. And um, I'm really happy with how our staff has been working well together. And also the Washington staff, coaching staff, has been outstanding with us. So uh, it's been a great experience here at camp. And, um, you know, day by day I'll get to know these guys better and um, just try to see what makes them tick. And you're also in a unique situation where the guy that you're replacing is at least available to you for, you know, you can pick his brain. It's not like he, he went off to some other organization. And like you say, you got Patrick Weller there as yeah. well. What would you tell players as far as what kind of coach you are? I know that at, at the NHL level, coaches have the luxury of sort of deciding whether they're going to be the guy who has the system and, and – is going to indoctrinate the players or whether they decide to look at what's in the cupboard and come up with a system that's conducive to the talent that they have on hand. But typically the AHL coach is essentially going to mirror the system that that's, that's with the parent club, but you're obviously going to put your own stamp on this team and, and you know how to do that from 20 years in the business. Um, but what would you tell players as far as what kind of coach you are, um, as a description, and how has that evolved from Muskegon to now? Well, first off, I'm just going to let them know that I have an open-door policy, okay? If you guys have issues with something that's going on in the ice, in the locker room, your family life, I have an open door. Come and talk to me. If you don't feel comfortable talking to me, grab one of the assistants because sometimes a player, when he's on the ice, he's not performing well. Well, who knows? Maybe... Him and his girlfriend split up, but it's having an effect on him. So, like, those are the things where I have to get, develop trust and respect from them, and it's a two-way street, and that's first and foremost, and and, and that's going to take time. And believe me, players players have done their homework on me. You know, they can attend as a new coach. They they see where I coach, and they know players. They have buddies. Well, what's he like and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, to uh, Sam Annis, and uh, he was still a free agent, and I said, just call. I said, call whoever you want. I have total confidence that you like what you hear, and, and uh, he did that, and he sent me a text, and he goes, well, you've been well-received, which is a nice compliment, uh, but, you know, I'm a coach that uh, sometimes people call me a player's coach, and um, sometimes people think that's soft, uh, but I'm pretty much like Barry, where I'll hold people accountable, and the thing is we're going to have some fun, uh, we're going to work hard, get better every day, and it's my job to help them get to the National Hockey League, and I'll do whatever it takes to, to get them there. Uh, but I want to develop a family atmosphere where guys want to come to the rink every day and work hard and get better. And that's basically who I am. As for the X's and O's, five-on-five five plays can be very similar to what Washington's doing. So the player gets called up. It's uh, just it's just like uh, ballroom dancing that they know what to do. But with personnel being different, like we don't have number eight uh, with the one-timer in the power play. You know what? Um, so we'll have to tweak that and also with our penalty kill and, you know, some set plays and that we have to make sure it's, uh, conducive to our hockey team with the personnel that we have. And, um, I've been through this quite a bit. Like I've worked with, uh, coaches in the national hockey league when I was in the American league and, and some coaches say, you coach how you want, just make sure the guys know how we're playing up top. And, uh, so that gives me the freedom to do whatever I want. Um, then there's other coaches like you know where you know, we, we like the, you guys are organizations that want you to play the same sort of the same system, uh, and so that that basically comes down to five on five play, you know the D zone coverage, neutral zone forecheck, how we forecheck in the O zone, um, you know tracking, you know and if, if there's a three on two and you have a back checker coming, like what are the rules? And so the biggest thing for me is trying to learn the terminology that they learn they they say up here, because as coaches we all have different yeah. terminology, we do. Like I remember where we used to say, boy, that defenseman can carry the puck up the ice well. And then all of a sudden, sometimes coaches want to sound smarter than they really are, and they say, boy, that defenseman transports the puck well. 
right? So, so I got to make sure that we're on the same page with terminology, and uh, and, th- and that's going to be a process as well. How we're working together from the big club to the the Hershey Bears, and you know that's going to be a work in progress to see how we um, we have to communicate well. Obviously, we, you know we have a lot of resources. Uh, you know, player development development we have you know four guys and. And then we have a skating coach and all this stuff. So I, I, I have access to all of this, all these resources, which is fantastic. So I think that uh, <clears throat> the players can definitely benefit from that. But there has to be good communication throughout the organization. Last thing before we let you go. You're obviously, having played a year in Hershey during your playing career, familiar with the, the unique situation that is AHL hockey in, in Hershey. I, I, I compare it to kind of like a Green Bay Packers type of thing. It's steeped in history and it would never happen today. You'd never put a team in a city where there's like 20,000 people. But that that history has been well established over the last, what, 90 years or, or so now. And it's been a few years since you coached in the American League, but I'm guessing you're not only familiar with with what it means there and 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 kind of straddling that line between they place an importance on winning but there's obviously development is is the main thing but also I mean you get to coach in the east the the travel's going to be a lot different than than what you had with OKC and, and and Grand Rapids as well yeah it's been a while since I've been in the east I think the last time I was in the east was when I was assistant coach in Atlanta um but as far as, as far as American League um I haven't been back in the East since the Rochester days. So that's another thing, too. Like, at least in the Western Conference, I was very familiar with a lot of the players in that conference. Um, not so much here. I, I do know some people here that I've coached, like well, Mantha and Jensen I've coached in McElrath. Grand Rapids. Yeah. McElrath, I coached, coached in Grand Rapids, and also Kale Kessie I had yep. in o- Oklahoma City. So there's some familiar faces, but hockey's such a small world. Like, I had a player come up to me and said, my, my uncle says to say hi. I said, well, who's your uncle? He goes, Paul Broughton. I said, well, I haven't <laughs> talked to Paul since I've played in Berlin with him. And um, uh, I think uh, Lisa, he's he's with the gal that's from Prince Albert. Well, like, I, I know her father. Wow. You know, so uh, such a small world. And, you know, I, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know the players that are going to be in Hershey. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully we, we uh develop guys and win a lot of games well thanks so much for your time Todd it's been great talking to you and learning a little bit about you and we certainly wish you all the best and much success this season in Hershey thanks for having me